Welcome, welcome to the Ready to Wander podcast hosted by Sydney Brienne. This is a podcast where I encourage you to chase your dreams and we chat about all things business, photography, travel, adventure, and of course, living and experiencing more life outdoors. So what do you say? Are you ready to wander? Hey, adventurers. Welcome back to the Ready to Wander podcast. How are you? I'm your host, Sydney Brienne, and I'm so excited to wander into our first travel-centered podcast. If you're here, you probably love to travel. You maybe want to travel but haven't had the opportunity, or you're looking for tips on how to make the most of your time and money while on the go. Today's podcast is going to be all about cheap travel and how to travel when you're young, dumb, and broke. Maybe not dumb, but that's the quote, right? I think I'm quoting Khalid. I used to love that song. Well, anyway, I will be the first to say that I am cheap. I typically do not splurge on trips and my fiance, Ethan, and I make it a goal to travel to dream destinations on a budget. We always have a list of places that we want to visit and it is fun to look at that list and decide which ones we should splurge on and which ones we can realistically go cheap on and still get the full experience. If you're struggling with wanting to travel but not having the money, if you're young and don't know where to start, if you're just itching to get out there without breaking the bank, And if you're looking for tips on how to get started with traveling cheap, you are in the right place. This podcast is for you. Now, disclaimer, I am not a pro by any means. I just have a passion for travel and find myself in new places many times a year. My job does contribute to this wanderlust, but I truly do have a love for exploring, but I don't have an unlimited budget like most of us. From college to now, I have been on endless trips, both cheap and expensive mostly cheap, and I've picked up some handy tips along the way. This is not going to be a podcast where I talk about travel hacking with credit cards or using points, although I do have a rewards-based credit card. I'm just here to tell you what we do to travel to the incredible places we do on a budget. We are not high-class people, and we do choose to spend more time outside exploring than in our lodging or eating at nice restaurants. So before I give too much away, let's get into it. And I do have a guest today. My one and only, my lover, my fiance, Ethan. He loves to travel and adventure as much as I do, and he really loves not spending money when we travel. So I thought he was the perfect guest for this podcast, and we can just chat more about what we do and where we have been. But first, a little background on Ethan. Ethan is a software engineer through his day to day, but is also a fisherman, hunter, podcaster, adventurer, and dreamer. He's a co-host on his own podcast, Hunt Fish Conserve, where they chat about obviously hunting, fishing, conservation, and tons of outdoor adventures. He is also the producer of this podcast, so I'm excited to have him on today because we don't get to do this together often. So, Ethan, can you introduce yourself to the Ready to Wander listeners and tell them a bit more about yourself? Awesome. Let's get into it. So, yeah, as Cindy mentioned, I'm Ethan Evans. Uh, we've been together for a long time. Uh, I think about seven years now. And through that time, we've had a lot of uh, traveling and adventures together. Me more as a person. Uh, I think Cindy laid it out pretty well about the things I like doing. And I like doing all those activities that she did mention, such as fishing, hunting, and adventuring in a lot of new places. And that's what I kind of center a lot of our travels around are, you know, is there something that I can do that I like in regards? Because I think that means a lot more to me, as Cindy mentioned before the lodging or spending money at nice restaurants. If I could take some of that money and spend it on gear to make the things that I enjoy more, I'm going to do that instead of spend it on travel. Awesome. So um, let's get right into it. 
Here are the ways we travel for cheap and they are super easy to start doing so you can pick a few and start doing these things on your next trip to save money. So number one, plan vacations in advance. Schedule them out in your calendar months in advance so that you can watch flight prices, save your money, compare areas and trip locations, and do research, etc. Really, all this means is create what I call a master plan. Basically, what a master plan is in our relationship is we sit down at the beginning of the year, we talk about where we want to travel, kind of our jobs and how vacation fits into that. And then we block off time for vacation right away at the beginning of the year so that we know when we will be traveling, where we want to go, plan B if that's a thing. Um, But also my job has a lot to do with that. So being a photographer, I kind of have to have my life planned out a year or more in advance so that we know when I can take weddings or when we can travel around the weddings I take. So that master plan really makes it easy to look at a calendar and be like, okay, we are going on a trip at the end of December in May and in August. And so we plan around that. And if you can't plan well in advance or you just like to be spontaneous, have a few destinations in mind and be okay with plan B so that when you start your booking process, if things are more expensive than you would like them to be, you can pivot to your backup location or area, like a different state, a different park, etc. Um, another way to do this is to plan around holidays. We are lucky enough to have a lot of time for vacation, but if you are a student or working with tons of vacation days, utilize those weekends and plan some quick weekend trips if that's your vibe. Time is truly money, so maximize your time by booking around holidays so you get a few free days. But also sometimes you can find deals. Flights are usually more expensive around holidays, but sometimes hotels or Airbnbs or family-owned lodges run a deal around random holidays, so kind of look into those. But yeah, really just do things in advance, create a master plan, plan so you can compare prices and locations later. So Ethan, is there anything you want to add when it comes to vacation? Since you technically work a type of nine to five, and I am a self-employed person, we have differing availability and do our best to schedule around work. So do you have anything to add when it comes to planning ahead and scheduling for vacation to save money? As far as like saving money, maybe not no, but I think like what Sydney said though, as far as, you know, making sure that time is money, I think a good thing to do about that would be, um, especially if you work the nine to five, like Monday to Friday grind, you know, maybe if you're like traveling, if you try to travel on the weekend so that you have more time during the week because it's not such a peak time. Um, I would say that's probably one of my tips that I would have. So we usually try to travel a lot, like, you know, try to drive on the weekends, maybe fly on the weekends so that we're spending that time traveling and not doing what we actually want to do. So then when it becomes time to do things that we enjoy, it's a little more not so busy. Awesome. Okay. So tip number two, travel on shoulder season. This is one of our favorite tips because we do this a lot. So Ethan, can you talk about what shoulder season is or when it is and just tell us a little bit about it? Shoulder season is basically when the time isn't peak time. So, you know, if you think about it in terms of, you know, let's say um, Sydney, you know, you went to Zion in November 
And that's not peak time at all, where like peak is usually summer. And basically the benefit of traveling on these shoulder seasons is you don't have to deal with the people. And I think that's the thing, you know, that can kind of make or break trips in some cases is the amount of people you're going to see. And I will say though, like when it comes to shoulder season, you kind of have to be a flexible person and be okay with things maybe not going perfectly because that is one kind of hiccup that can come along. And this can come along on any trip. But, you know, for example, uh, we were a little worried last year when we traveled to Washington because there was a little more snow when we traveled than we thought there was going to be. And, you know, there was a road closed that we didn't think was going to, we actually thought was going to be open and things like that. You kind of have to be flexible around and, you know, just hope for the best, I would say. So basically shoulder season is when the weather is starting to change kind of in between the popular season with the off season or when the main tourist destinations are slowing down. So the pros and cons to this, basically the pros, obviously it's less busy. You have more solitude. Hidden gems can be found because some trails might not be open. Lots of deals on hotels are usually going on because they want to finish filling up their calendar. More wildlife might be out because of less visitors. Really, it is just quieter and we love that. And that's why we end up traveling on shoulder season. The cons to shoulder season, though, um, some popular restaurants or attractions may be closed. You maybe are the person who wants the perfect type of weather rather than when the weather is changing or when the weather is becoming more mild after summer. It's also possible that some of your favorite activities may not be possible. For example, in Glacier National Park, where our home base is, some hikes close, some roads close. And honestly, it kind of becomes a ghost town, but that's our favorite part about it. So just stay up to date on road closures and just what people can do during that season in the area you're traveling to, but you really can save a lot of money. So what to look for when traveling on shoulder season? One, pick a destination that has a decent weather possibility. If you're not a so snow person, you don't want to be dealing with snow or rain or cold. Make sure your favorite activities are still accessible, whether that's scenic drives or hiking or eating at restaurants or going to festivals. Um, also look for hidden gems. So read blogs and connect with locals to see if there's any th fun things to do around that time. And also visit national parks or outdoor places to recreate because they seem to always be open. But of course, check on those things. And then obviously look for deals on flights or hotels or even rental cars. So where have we been on shoulder season? Ethan and I have been to tons of places, Montana, Washington, Colorado, California, Idaho, Wyoming, and the list goes on. We love traveling on shoulder season because one, we like mild weather and two, we like being alone. I think we do feel like sometimes we miss out on some of the must do's or must sees in the area but that's just an excuse for me to convince him to go back. Um, do, do you kind of feel like that? Yeah, I do. I think that basically what you hit on is really true in the sense that, yeah, we do miss things. And I think it does kind of suck in the moment, but I think, you know, you kind of have to have like the have the glasses half full mentality being like, okay, well, at least there's not so many other people on this hike or this other activity we wanted to do. Really though, there's not much you miss out on. There's usually something to do at these destinations year round. It just depends on if you are willing to deal with extra logistics and planning, or if you can sacrifice the perfect summer weather. 
So that leads us to tip number three. Book red-eye flights or flights with long connections to save money. Use apps like Google Flights, Scott's Cheap Flights, which I think is now known as Going, and Hopper. These apps will tell you what day's flights are cheapest. It will help, help you compare prices. And I use this for all of our traveling. Ethan hates booking flights and doing the logistics side of things. So typically I'm the one doing all the booking and planning. But one thing he really hates is wasting a full day traveling. He would much rather fly on a red eye or drive through the night and still be able to explore when we land or arrive compared to wasting a full day of vacation on travel. So that's also a pro of booking those red eye flights. So that's a pretty simple tip. Do you have anything to add? Nope. Uh, Sydney is really good at this part, so I just let her handle it. (laughs) Um, Number four, another one of our favorite tips for cheap travel is to road trip. And I know what you're thinking. If you're a person who hates road tripping, one, this podcast isn't for you. No, I'm kidding. Really, if we can drive, we are probably driving. Some people hate road trips. We love it. Both of us kind of hate the hustle and bustle of airports and will only fly if we have to or if it just makes sense with schedules. But we love road trips and it does save quite a bit of money. So, Ethan, can you talk a bit about road tripping and how it saves us money? Yeah, I mean, I will say as like growing up, I mean, my family always did road trips. They didn't like the hustle and bustle. So I think that's kind of where I get it from. I think, you know, also like, you know, you look at the National Lampoon's like road trip, those kind of family vacation movies. I think road trips kind of come with some bad uh baggage with it you could say but knock on wood like we've had very little trouble with doing road trips you know and how it saves us money gas is usually cheaper than a flight and uh, baggage and everything else that kind of comes with dealing with the airport you know such as you know eating expensive food you know the worst thing is like i mean you kind of deal with bad weather either way but it seems like most of the time you usually have worse luck when you're flying with the weather such as layovers or delayed flights or anything like that I would say the logistics are a lot less too. I mean, you kind of have your car. You're not so handicapped, I would say, by having needing somebody else's car, rental car, Turo, or some other kind of another step. Um, And there's the more logistics, I think you enter into the equation when it comes into travel, just more headaches and more trouble that can kind of come out of it. And I think also like another cool thing is like, you also see way more of the country this way. For example, like when we went out to Montana um, this year, well, we were traveling back home, actually, and we stopped at Theodore Roosevelt National Park, something we would have never probably had done if we weren't road tripping. I mean, it's kind of hard to maybe make a trip for that when we have so many other things. And it is a bonding activity. I think one thing that's really awesome is like the amount of conversations we were able to have. We were able to listen to podcasts that we're both interested in, talk to, uh, for example, play trivia. I mean, there's a lot of fun things you can do on a road trip. You just got to get a little more creative, I guess. So... Yeah. So basically road trips are awesome, but also they save you a lot of money. Gas is cheaper than a flight and baggage plus rental car. You don't need to worry about that other transportation. Once you get to a place, you can pack your snacks and pack your meals versus eating out or spending money at the airport. And you also get to see more of the country. So moving on to number five, to save money, look for alternative housing to Airbnb or hotels. So we are obviously big outdoorsmen. So usually you will find us road tripping and camping when we go on trips, which saves a ton of money. Think about how much a hotel is. What, $100, $200 a night? We typically camp for free on public land or at KOAs or campgrounds near national parks for $35 or less per night. 
Usually when we travel, we book a hotel for the first night so that we can get settled into our location and get our bearings. And then usually the last night so we can have a good night's sleep before heading home. But it seriously takes our lodging bill from $1,000 plus for a trip to less than $350. Camping also allows you to obviously be more mobile. We love when we can set up shop for a few nights, but if we want to see a lot in a few days, we're able to just pick up our camp and stay in some pretty epic places each night compared to booking a hotel for a three-night extended stay. So besides camping, Ethan, what are your other favorite alternatives to hotels or Airbnbs to save money? So I guess when it comes to my kind of mindset on lodging, my goal when I'm traveling is to really kind of spend as little amount of time being in our lodging situation just for the fact that like I'd rather be out doing exploring, you know, activities I enjoy or adventuring. So one thing I'll say is I really enjoy staying at a KOA cabin. They have those little cabins at some of the locations that I think are around 50 bucks a night. You have to bring your own sleeping bag and pillow, which we usually have because we are camping. Those are really fun. And it kind of takes out the need of using like a tent to have to set up and worry about rain or something. I think it's a really good option if the weather is going to turn bad because we've had that a couple of times and that's not fun to deal with a, a wet tent or anything. So another thing that we do like doing, and we have done it once, and uh, it's kind of a dream is to have a van to travel in, but, you know, renting a camper or a van, um, we did it in Washington and it was super awesome. You know, being able to travel and drive something, park, pull over and sleep in it, and also being able to like cook and kind of have your whole camp set up in a very like concise, very compact way where it's like very convenient too. And it wasn't a hassle. That was awesome. Um, definitely a luxury, something we probably won't do all the time. But yeah, just having all your food easily accessible and you don't have to like get it out of your back of your truck or your vehicle or anything definitely takes a whole other step out of complicating things. So renting a camper or a van, it's basically your car rental and lodging in one, and it still saves you a ton of money despite being obviously a little more expensive than tent camping or camping out of your car. Along with that, finally, you can always look for hostels. I actually pretty much exclusively stayed in hostels when I traveled Europe in 2019. So Ethan hasn't done this option, but it saves you a ton of money if you don't mind sharing a bathroom or are just staying in a place for one night. I've also heard about couch surfing apps or trading work for stay if you are itching to travel internationally. So look into that as well. So really, there are tons of ways to cut costs on your lodging. Number six, an alternative, which I think is less expensive, but I am unsure, but thought I would throw it in here anyway, is to use Turo for rental cars to save you money. We are not 25 yet, so we always get those underage fees with regular rental car companies, or we're not even allowed to rent them. So our way around it has been Turo. Turo has, I feel like, lower underage rental fees and the cars seem to run cheaper than regular companies. We have used it a few times and have loved it, but again, I would plan ahead, keep your eye on a few, and compare prices. We don't love renting cars, hence why we usually drive and road trip, but I have also heard things like AAA and other membership programs have deals on rental cars, so check out what you have and see if you can get any deals. Tip number seven, this one is big. I said I wouldn't be talking much about it, but it has gotten us a lot of benefits, and that is a travel credit card or rewards credit card. We have an Alaska Air card that we pretty much put everything on, and not only do we have a companion fare that we get every year so the flight is cheaper, 
but we also get free baggage, discounts on pre-check and lounge access, and we rack up the miles to get free flights through Alaska Airlines. So Ethan, can you talk a little bit about why we decided on this credit card versus competitors and what the dream was behind getting this credit card? Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of in the name, you know, Alaska Air. So one of the biggest benefits is we wanted to start traveling to Alaska every year. And Alaska Airlines has a hub there so we can get deals or free flights to Alaska every year. We also love the companion fare aspect. But, you know, talking about Alaska, it's expensive to fly to Alaska and being able and it's expensive, you know, doing any kind of travel in Alaska. So if you can take the flight aspect out of it, especially, you know, for both of us using the companion fare, it takes a huge burden off of the trip. Another thing that's nice about Alaska Air is we do a lot of our traveling out west here. So we can fly to Seattle, Portland, Boise, Salt Lake, California, Montana, and a lot of other states and places that have, and they have great routes to where we are usually traveling to. We have not had the card very long and we've already used the companion fares to fly for less than $250 a person to Alaska, as well as I use the points to fly to Hawaii for free. And we're flying home from our honeymoon in Alaska for free with points as well. Really, our everyday spending is just paying for flights to and from Alaska. And that was kind of the dream. We just want to be able to travel there for less since we know it's expensive. Um, And I also use the points for business trip, the miles for business trips. I would highly recommend getting some type of travel rewards card because instead of just spending 50 bucks, you can spend that money anyway, but also get a reward for spending that money. It is really making your money go further. So other cards I know people have are the Capital One Venture card, Delta cards, the Chase Sapphire reward cards. I just think there's so many benefits. So look into it and make the best decision for you. Tip number eight to saving money while traveling is to cook your own meals or pack your own snacks. I love to cook, but I don't love cooking as much on vacation. However, I do love a good camp meal and I do love saving money. So something that we do is either get groceries when we get to our destination or pack snacks to save money on lunches and breakfast, even if we end up going out for dinner. Ethan, can you chat a bit about camp meals and what we do to save money on food while we travel? Yeah, uh, a couple of camp meals that we do like and we eat quite a bit just because they are easy, you know, quick and fast and they are they are filling and most of the time if you are tired or exhausted, they do hit the spot. Um, so like for example, you know, easy breakfasts we do, you know, sometimes maybe we'll hard boil some eggs and you know, kind of keep them in a cold container. We'll do uh oatmeal, maybe we'll do some uh, pancakes are pretty easy, sandwiches. We do a lot of turkey. Breakfast burritos, pre-made. Oh, yeah, those are really good. So anything, yeah, anything you can do pre-made. PB&Js, we eat a lot of those really nice trail food, meat and cheese because it stays well, and any protein-filled snacks. So we like to grow shop when we get there and try to kind of have a meal plan. So being like, what are we going to eat this day, this day, and this day, and try to break it up a little bit so that we aren't getting so bored of it. But I will say, though, like, I mean, we've ate hot dogs for I don't even know how many days straight. Oh, hot dogs. We <laughs> eat. It sounds horrible because, like... It's not like we're completely broke people, but we love just like eating cheap. So we'll eat hot dogs and sandwiches and PB&J, which is kind of pathetic sometimes, but it sometimes hits the spot. Yeah, it does. Especially like, you know, it it is really nice to say like you want to cook a burger or something, but, you know, just dealing with something that's already like a hot dog or a pre-cooked thing that you can just warm up pretty easily on a burner is really nice. Um, And it makes the cooking process a lot more simple. 
So we do grocery shop and cook our own food, but I also want to note that we still eat out. I feel like we're not big foodies though, so we're not like always searching out awesome restaurants, but we do like a good hole in the wall local cafe or brewery. So we will still splurge on a few meals here and there, but the majority of what we do while traveling is cooking basic meals and packing snacks for throughout the day. There's also nothing better than having a picnic with an awesome view or cooking at camp after a long hike. Yeah, one thing I'll say about that too, you know, obviously like you kind of want to look at it and this might seem obvious, but you want to kind of look into like where you're going. So like when we were in Washington staying in Seattle, it was like, well, let's eat some awesome seafood. And we kind of splurged there. So we kind of took some of that from our like our food budget, you could say, and ate out less because we kind of splurged on some nice seafood. And I think that's something that you can kind of do and kind of base it off the area you're going to. I feel like most of the activities we like doing also don't involve places with restaurants anyway. So we have to plan ahead and have food available. But seriously, food is expensive and it's especially expensive when you eat out for every single meal. So if you're trying to save some cash, just make a few more meals when you're out and about or pack snacks so you don't have to spend money on three big meals. And the way I kind of look at food too is I know some people like, and you've probably heard this too, Sydney, that people don't even count necessarily a food budget because they're thinking that they have to eat anyways. And that is true to a certain extent. So if you can, you know, eat something similar to what you're already eating on a week by week basis, it's really not a super big expense to calculate food in unless you are, you know, like, you know, you're used to spending, let's say a hundred dollars a week and then you're going to $500 because you have to eat out all the time. So I think that's a good way to think about it as well. And that leads us to our next tip, also about food. Don't drink alcohol constantly when traveling. It's expensive. So if you're trying to save money, just don't do it. This is kind of a weird tip because we do both drink. We do like a good whiskey sour every once in a while. But when we travel, we don't really drink. So Ethan, can you talk more about this? Yeah, I guess I've never really, I think it's mostly, it's kind of due to like Sydney isn't really a big like beer drinker because of her gluten allergy. So it's like, I wouldn't mind like having a beer afterwards, but it is expensive, like Sydney said, and it never really like makes, I always like think it sounds good, but it never really feels good after like a full day of adventuring or anything. But yeah, I mean, if there are like a cool brewery around or like the place you're going to is known as a brewery, we do splurge on that kind of stuff and that's fun to do. So really, we aren't saying not to drink at all. If there's a fun local brew or cocktail you want to try, do it. But if you want to cut costs, you can cut your restaurant bill down 20 plus dollars if you don't get that drink at every meal when you eat out. A good alternative is buying a pack of beer or something and keep it in a cooler for nights around the fire or just splurging on that drink or two at those couple meals you get out to eat if you are cooking the majority of your meals. Not only does it save money, but the worst thing is feeling groggy, like Ethan said, hungover on vacation. So we just tend to stay away from it when we travel, and it does end up saving us a lot of money. So tip number 10 is travel to lesser known locations off the beaten path or go to popular areas in the off season. Hotels and attractions tend to be cheaper in lesser known locations, and you won't have to deal with as many people. This kind of goes with the travel during the shoulder season thing we talked about before, but the main point of this one is to look for locations that are not as popular or off the beaten path. Even within a popular location, there are other areas or locations that are lesser known and there won't be as many tourists as well as not as many tourist traps that cost money. 
For example, instead of staying in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where the lodging and shops are expensive, visit for a day and instead stay in a smaller town a little further from Grand Teton National Park. When we did this, we visited Jackson Hole, went out to eat, um, and then stayed in Driggs, Idaho, just a little town a little further away. Not only did we get the same views and we could still visit the area, but the lesser known town still had awesome restaurants that were cheaper and fun things to do. So just do lots of research on the location you're traveling to and see if there is anything to do outside of that main location that may not be as popular. Some of our best memories are in places that we didn't really necessarily plan on going or the places that turned into our plan B because the main location was too packed or busy. Do you have anything to add to this? Are there any favorite places you've been or tips for traveling off the beaten path? Yeah, one thing I'll say, um, and I think this is kind of, it was more of a big thing during COVID and it still is a big thing. I mean, you hear about it all the time, like Glacier National Park is getting more busy and all these national parks are getting busy. Um, Through some of like my adventures, both like hunting and fishing have kind of brought me to areas that a lot of people wouldn't really go to ever. And there are places I want to bring Sydney to too, because of the fact that you know, you kind of go on Instagram and you look at Instagram and everybody's tagging Glacier National Park and it makes you want to go there. But there are a lot of lesser known areas around Glacier National Park, for example, around a lot of these other parks around Colorado. I think there's a lot of locations that I've been to that like I would have never went to if I didn't have something like kind of motivating me like that. But I think, you know, it kind of showed me that, hey, like maybe we shouldn't just go to those kind of places, um, the big locations and kind of go to other spots. Another thing with this is don't put too much pressure on yourself to see certain things each day or to stick to a schedule. I am the type that I love to have a plan, but you also have to be flexible and open to plan B or just have an outline that you can reference. Just be open to adventure. So that leads us to tip number 11. To save money, a simple tip is to just get out in nature. Nature is cheaper. (laughs) Really, if you're traveling to a nature center destination like a national park or forest, you don't have to spend money if you don't want to besides the entrance fee. If you plan your hikes, viewpoints or overlooks, swimming, fishing, etc., most of that does not cost money. Almost all of our trips involve nature, and I think that's why we save so much money. Ethan, do you agree or what are some activities that you think we do that save us money by getting outside? Yeah, I would say probably the biggest one is like hiking or like hiking to a fishing destination or something, I guess, in the long terms of like hiking, because yeah, you get to see awesome views that not many other people do get to see. Um, Usually takes quite a bit of time. So it's kind of a good way to fill the day. And there's also a lot of cool things you can do like that involve hiking. Like I said, fishing, you can hike to a hot spring. And I don't think either, you know, Cindy said like, we don't really enjoy it kind of, we're not huge foodies or drinking. So finding these other activities are really important to us. And I think there is a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, I think the national parks or any place you're going to that involves nature usually has kind of a list of like popular activities. And it can even be something as simple as like when we were Rocky Mountain National Park, there was a place where you go sledding when it was in the winter. So kind of looking to some of those new activities and stuff. So if you are a person that loves resorts or shopping, you do you. But even if you are in a beach destination, swimming in the ocean is free. Walking on the beach is free. If you get outside more on vacation and do things to stay active or be in the sun, like hiking, even reading a book in a lawn chair at camp, 
fishing a stream, swimming in an alpine lake, all of these have low costs and are usually the highlight of the trip. So forego the tours and schedule more activities that don't cost anything, but give you so much time and experience in nature. Number 12, kind of a hot take, opt for lifelong souvenirs or things like photos, videos, stickers, or postcards, or even journal entries rather than t-shirts or mugs. We hate souvenirs. You will catch us in the tourist shops a couple times just to look around or look at the fun maps and books they have, but we rarely, if ever, buy souvenirs. I think this is because we take so many photos and I always keep a travel journal where I would much rather have those things than a random t-shirt or mug that takes up space. Ethan, what's your favorite souvenir or do you remember the last souvenir you bought even? Yeah, I don't think I even remember the last souvenir I actually bought, um, which kind of shows the point, I guess, in my opinion of souvenirs. But um, as Cindy did mention, and we, I've mentioned this podcast, I'm pretty big outdoorsman. So I do like going to visit fly shops and stuff. And I kind of collect some, maybe some hats or more specialty, like lures or flies, you could call them, just because I think they're cool because they've been locally tied. And to say that I've been there, that's maybe the only thing I do collect, but that's about it. And I'm the person who collects pins and then I put them on this little map that I have. So we are not t-shirt and mug people. Again, if you are, that's fine, but it's a way to cut costs on your trip. Just don't buy a bunch of random stuff. Souvenirs really just add up and take up space in your life, in your luggage that you don't need. Obviously, if there's something you collect or something you love, get it. But if you're on a budget, try to stay out of those souvenir shops and instead Take a few more photos to remember your trip. Finally, tip number 13, plan your trip to know where you want to splurge to eat, what sites you want to see, etc. When you have a plan, you are more likely to stick to it and not splurge on random shopping days, tours, or restaurants. I am definitely the planner in this relationship and Ethan is more of the go with the flow, what happens kind of happens thing. But I think what we mean by this is to create a plan or have a list of things you want to see, but you don't have to do them in any certain order. If you really want to save money, sticking to a plan helps, but also we are the ones who love to be more spontaneous. So be flexible, but don't splurge unless it's a must do, must see situation. There are plenty of things to do in every location. And if you do your research beforehand, you will know what you want to do, where you want to go. And I think a big part of saving money when traveling is just doing the research beforehand so you aren't completely flying by the seat of your pants. For example, if you know which campgrounds you want to stay at and how much they cost, even if you don't book them ahead of time, if you have a plan to stay at a campground, you won't end up just pulling over for a night and finding a $200 hotel that you forgot to book. So Ethan, do you have anything to add to our final tip? I do not. I think uh, Sydney summarized everything great. Well, that was a lot. And really, a lot of these are pretty basic tips. But by combining a lot of these, we have saved thousands of dollars traveling to popular destinations. Just to name a few, some destinations we have been to while on a budget, like seriously spent less than $700 a person for an extended period of time on most of these is one, we road trip to Wyoming and Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Parks. We camped for eight days, hiked, fly fished. Even with a guided fly fishing trip, we spent right around $700 per person for the week. Two, we visited Glacier National Park before we moved here. 
Um, and we road tripped out here and actually did not camp because it was a last minute trip that we had to pivot to because of COVID flying restrictions right at the beginning of the pandemic. So the campgrounds we wanted were not available. And I think we booked a few little cabins. And this trip was nine days and we spent less than $750 per person just because we spent tons of time in the park and cooked our own meals. Number three, we traveled Utah, Arizona, and Colorado over a 14-day period. We did a huge road trip and hit eight national parks. And for 14 days, we spent less than $800 per person. I actually think it was closer to like $700 or $750. We camped practically the whole time, cooked meals at camp, and spent most of our time in the national parks. Another big one was Washington State. Ethan talked about this a little bit earlier. We traveled the Washington coast for nine days in a camper van. So we did fly for this one, picked up a camper van and booked campsites. And this one was a little more pricey. I think we spent around $1,000 per person just with the van rental and the plane tickets. But think of how much more we would have spent if we booked hotels for the whole nine days. We spent most of our time hiking and fishing and visiting Mount Rainier and Olympic National Parks. And this was also in shoulder season, so some things were not open yet, and we had a lot of areas to ourselves. Really, the list could go on. We love traveling for cheap, and we love camping, so they really go hand in hand. We just think these tips could help a few people out who are itching to get started traveling and don't know where to begin, or if you're struggling finding places to go on a budget or what to do if you don't have the money to do what you want. We are here to tell you to just get out there and go. There are plenty of locations to go and see and lots to do with little cash. We hope these tips helped and we can't wait to chat more about traveling cheap and maybe answering some of your questions in the future. This was really just the tip of the iceberg. So Ethan, how can people find you or follow you after this podcast? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram at Hunt Fish Conserve, all one word. You can also find the podcast that I host, um, Hunt Fish Conserve, and all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you do find podcasts. So check it out. He's not going to plug his personal, just the podcast. Well, awesome. This was so fun, and I can't wait to talk more about travel things. But for now, this is the end of the Ready to Wander podcast, episode three, all about cheap travel and how to travel when you're young, dumb, and broke. Are you ready to implement some of these tips to save money on your next trip? I hope this podcast inspired you or got you thinking about that next bucket list location. I'll catch you in the next episode. And this is Sydney Brienne and Ethan signing off. Are you ready to wander? Mm -hmm.